Hello, friends. This is your favorite Shakespeare. The only one you know. It's me, Jake of Jake J. Thomas Photo. Becoming Shakespeare on Instagram. JakeJThomasPhoto.com On the World Wide Web. Coming to you from Santa Cruz. Thinking about, you guessed it, Shakespeare going through the sonnets. This is another episode of the Dialogic Podcast and another segment of the Changing the Conversation series where I read Shakespeare's sonnets. And uh, <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and just dive right into today's five sonnets. And this is Sonnet 81. Or I shall live your epitaph to make, or you survive when I in earth am rotten. From hence your memory death cannot take, although in me each part will be forgotten. Your name from hence immortal life shall have, though I once gone to all the world must die. The earth can yield me but a common grave. When you entombed in men's eyes shall lie. Your monument shall be my gentle verse. Which eyes not yet created shall o'erread. And tongues to be your being shall rehearse. When all the breathers of this world are dead. You still shall live. Still virtue hath my pen. Such virtue hath my pen where breath most breathes, even in the mouths of men. Hmm. Okay, so this poem starts out with a question or a meditation on mortality and the mystery of death. You know, who lives longer, we never know. And so here he is locked in this intense love situation and he is thinking about what it will be like when they're both gone and he suggests that the beloved will live on will be memorialized immortalized through the verse taking up that theme again of poetry as saving the content, the essence of a person. Let's hear it again. Sonnet 81. Or I shall live your epitaph to make, or you survive when I in earth am rotten. From hence your memory death cannot take, although in me each part will be forgotten. Your name from hence immortal life shall have. Though I once gone to all the world must die. The earth can yield me but a common grave. When you entombed in men's eyes shall lie. Your monument shall be my gentle verse. Which eyes not yet created shall o'erread. And tongues to be your being shall rehearse. When all the breathers of this world are dead. You still shall live. 
such virtue hath my pen, where breath most breathes, even in the mouths of men. This is very interesting. Again, it's about the immortalization of the subject through poetry. It's a poetic boast. Um, a couple of questions. One, okay, so let's go through it line by line, or I shall live your epitaph to make. Epitaph being the thing that describes a person after their death. Or survive, or you survive when I in earth am rotten. So again, he's setting up this juxtaposition between the poet and the beloved, with the poet taking a much more humble position. From hence your memory death cannot take. And so again, it's this battle between time as a giving and taking power but poetry as an extension of life although in me each part will be forgotten this is again the humility of the poet your name from hence immortal life shall have your and this is the irony of it is that we don't know the name but he says your name will have immortal life Maybe there, there's a clue there. There's a key there. Though I once gone, to all the world must die. Again, that juxtaposition. The earth can yield me but a common grave, when you, entombed in men's eyes, shall lie. And he's saying this because he is the source of the poetry, not the subject of the poetry. But he is the subject of a lot of it, so that's kind of confusing. And tongues to be your being shall rehearse. Oh, wait. No, sorry. Your monument shall be my gentle verse, which eyes not yet created shall or read. Well, that's the boast. It says, This this poetry is going to serve as a monument to you and people who are not alive yet will be reading it and tongues to be your being shall rehearse when all the breathers of this world are dead and so he suggests that people will be reading these poems long after all of this generation all of this time this epic of history has already passed you still shall live. Such virtue hath my pen. So here he has the flip from the humble poet to the proud poet. Where breath most breathes even in the mouths of men. So he suggests that the best of the people who speak will be reading these sonnets. Sonnet 81. Where I shall live your epitaph to make, where you survive when I in earth am rotten. 
From hence your memory death cannot take, although in me each part will be forgotten. Your name from hence immortal life shall have, though I once gone to all the world must die. The earth can yield me but a common grave, when you entombed in men's eyes shall lie. Your monument shall be my gentle verse, which eyes not yet created shall o'erread, and tongues to be your being shall rehearse, when all the breathers of this world are dead. You still shall live, such virtue hath my pen, where breath most breathes even in the mouths of men. Sonnet 82 I grant thou wert not married to my muse, and therefore mayst without a taint or look the dedicated words which writers use of their fair subject, blessing every book. Thou art as fair in knowledge as in hue, finding thy worth a limit past my praise, and therefore art enforced to seek anew some fresher stamp of the time-bettering days. And do so, love, yet when they have devised what strained touches rhetoric can lend, thou, truly fair, wert truly sympathized, in true plain words, by the true-telling friend. And their gross painting might be better used, where cheeks need blood, in thee it is abused. I grant thou wert not married to my muse, and therefore mayst without a taint or look the dedicated words which writers use of their fair subject blessing every book. Thou art as fair in knowledge as in hue, finding thy worth a limit past my praise, and therefore art enforced to seek anew some fresher stamp of the time-bettering days, and do so, love, yet when they have devised what strained touch as rhetoric can lend, thou truly fair, wert truly sympathized, in true plain words by thy true telling friend. And their gross painting might be better used, where cheeks need blood, in thee it is abused. Ah, gotcha. This is jealous Shakespeare. His beloved, this is what happens, man. You blow somebody up and then everybody wants to get on board. You blow something up and then everybody all of a sudden... Is all about it. He's Johnny Come Lately's his bandwagon fans. And here he's juxtaposing not just their worth in regards to the subject, but the technique. This is a uh, poetics. This gets into the poetics of Shakespeare again, which is plain simplicity conventional form honesty true expression but here we have this realization that other poets are writing about the beloved and in a way that the poet thinks is inappropriate because they're trying to make more flowery and more romantic something that already is good enough 
better than anything else could be just as it is but <clears throat> you know, this reminds me of this idea about like in, in documentary style if you have an interesting subject all you have to do is just get out of the way you know set up the camera so that you don't distract from the subject when you don't have an interesting subject that's when you have to get super creative with your filmmaking style and so this is what he's suggesting is that there is no need for invention or flourish or fanciness in poetic form because the subject is so worthy of attention that simply the most clear and true path to the subject is going to be the best. Uh, but so it begins with the uh, the jealous moment. Sonnet 82. I grant thou wert not married to my muse, and therefore mayst without a taint or look the dedicated words which writers use of their fair subject, blessing every book. Thou art as fair in knowledge as in hue, finding thy worth a limit past my praise, and therefore art enforced to seek anew some fresher stamp of the time-bettering days. And do so, love, yet when they have devised what strained touches rhetoric can lend, thou, truly fair, wert truly sympathized, in true plain words, by the true-telling friend. And their gross painting might be better used, where cheeks need blood, and thee it is abused. Sonnet 83 I never saw that you did painting need, and therefore to your fair no painting set. I found, or thought I found, you did exceed the barren tender of a poet's debt, and therefore have I slept in your report, that you yourself, being extant, might well show how far a modern quill doth come too short. Speaking of worth, what worth in you doth grow? This silence for my sin you did impute, which shall be most my glory being dumb. For I impair not beauty being mute, when others would give life and bring a tomb. There lives more life in one of your fair eyes than both your poets can in praise devise. Both your poets, oh boy. Now he is praising the beloved, elevating the beloved above both of the poets who are after him. And he is, this is another form of flattery, of attempting to win the love through compliments. Sonnet 83. I never saw that you did painting need 
and therefore to your fair no painting set. I found, or thought I found, you did exceed the barren tender of a poet's debt, and therefore have I slept in your report, that you yourself being extant might well show how far a modern quill doth come too short. Speaking of what, speaking of worth, what worth in you doth grow. The silence for my sin you did impute, which shall be most my glory, being dumb. For I impair not beauty, being mute, when others would give life and bring a tomb. There lives more life in one of your fair eyes than both your poets can in praise devise. Sonnet 84 Who is it that says most, which can say more than this rich praise, that you alone are you, in whose confine immured is the store which should example where your equal grew. Lean penury within that pen doth dwell, that to his subject lends not some small glory, but he that writes of you, if he can tell, that you are you, so dignifies his story. Let him but copy what in you is writ, not making worse what nature made so clear, and such a counterpart shall fame his wit, making his style admired everywhere. You to your beauteous blessings add a curse, being fond on praise, which makes your praises worse. Hmm. Now he's, you know, he goes back and forth between praising the beloved, and then every once in a while he goes after the beloved, gets a little bit aggressive. In this case, he's suggesting that He's ruining his reputation by by messing around with this other poet. Because the other poet is not being straightforward, he's being fancy, he's dressing it up in a way that it doesn't need to be. Again, Shakespeare's poetics of plain simplicity and honesty and no need for invention when the subject is great. Sonnet 84. Who is it that says most, which can say more than this rich praise, that you alone are you, in whose confined immured... <clears throat> Let's start that one again. Sonnet 84. Who is it that says most, which can say more than this rich praise, that you alone are you, in whose confine immured is the store which should example where your equal grew. Lean penury within that pen doth dwell, that to his subjects lends not some small glory. But he that writes of you, if he can tell, that you are you, so dignifies his story. Let him but copy what in you is writ, not making worse, what nature made so clear, and such a counterpart shall fame his wit, making his style admired everywhere. You to your beauteous blessings add a curse, being fond on praise, which makes your praises worse. Sonnet 
poetics style and maybe even there's an ethics <clears throat> to this style guide okay on sonnet 85 my tongue-tied muse in manners holds her still while comments of your praise richly compiled reserve their character with golden quill and precious phrase by all the muses filed i think good thoughts while other write good words and like unlettered clerk still cry amen to every hymn that able spirit affords in polished form of well-refined pen hearing you praised i say tis so tis true and to the most of praise add something more but that is in my thought whose love to you the words come hindmost holds his rank before then others for the breath of words respect me for my dumb thoughts speaking in effect Hmm. Okay, so this is a continuation of the poetics. He's implicating himself in this process. My tongue-tied muse and manners holds her still. While comments of your praise richly compiled reserve their character with golden quill and precious phrase by all the muses filed. So the, mu the muse is the poetic inspiration that serves as a conduit between the poet and their beloved. And here he's saying that his muse is tongue-tied because of manner, style, what they won't do. Meanwhile, these other muses are just without discernment doing the most i think good thoughts while whilst other write good words oh that's a fucking great line i think good thoughts whilst other write good words and like unlettered clerks still cry amen to every hymn that able spirit affords in polished form of well-refined pen Hearing you praised, I say, tis so, tis true, and to the most of praise add something more. But that is in my thought, whose love to you, the words come hindmost, holds his rank before. Then others, for the breadth of words, respect me for my dumb thoughts, speaking in effect. And so he's saying, you know, these other people are making these poems about you and when i read them i agree that you are these great things and even more but that's because i already love you if i didn't know you these poems wouldn't really get me to you so it's a spiteful jab at the other poets Shakespeare's jealous. Okay, Sonnet 85, one more time. 
My tongue-tied muse and manners holds her still, while comments of your praise, richly compiled, reserve their character with golden quill, and precious phrase by all the muses filed. I think good thoughts, whilst other write good words, and like unlettered clerk, still cry amen to every hymn that able spirit affords in polished form of well-refined pen hearing you praised i say tis so tis true and to the most of praise add something more but that is in my thought whose love to you the words come hindmost holds his rank before then others for the breath of words respect me for my dumb thoughts speaking in effect So he's suggesting that the other poet might gain more public favor because they're using more eloquent words. But we know Shakespeare doesn't play that game. Shakespeare is the real deal, baby. Not faking the funk. It's really what he feels. And... I think that this is just such a nice and interesting place to to stop. You know, here we are, well on our way past the midpoint of the sonnet collection. And I, I think kind of the essence so far is summarized in, I think good thoughts whilst other write good words that there is at the core of this poetry there's something more important than than style or form it's the thing that is driving it the feeling the true emotion the love well if you love shakespeare and you love shakespeare and you came to the right place my friends thank you so much for listening and I will be back again. This is Jake J. Thomas of Jake J. Thomas Photo. Signing out with another Changing the Conversation segment. Till next time, peace.